0: Hey everyone, and welcome to episode four of Authors on a Podcast Talking Books, take two. I am your host, David Walters, coming to you as always from my lovely home office in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, today, I'm chuffed to have the opportunity to chat with debut author Sean Adams about his upcoming novel, The Heap. Uh, big shout out to Harper Collins, William Morrow, and Jenna Lanzi for making this happen. Uh, it's kind of an opportunity that just... Sort of came out of nowhere, uh, got an email about it a couple weeks ago, and definitely jumped to the opportunity, was able to start reading a little bit of uh, Sean's book, and it's fantastic. But just to give you a little bit of information about Sean, he's a graduate of Bennington College and the Iowa Writers Workshop. Uh, he's had some short fiction that's appeared in Electric Literature's Recommended Reading, the magazine of fantasy and science fiction, The Normal School. Volume 1, Brooklyn, the Arkansas International, and several other places. He currently lives in Des Moines, Iowa with his wife, Emma, and their various pets. But without further ado, Sean Adams. Thanks for having me, David. Yeah, man, absolutely. It's great to be back. (laughs) Yeah, It feels like you were just here. Uh, (laughs) Well, man, how you doing tonight? Doing all right? Doing great. Doing great. It's a,
1: uh, it's nice. It's a nice night here in Des Moines. Um, it got above, uh, got above 30 degrees today. So, you know, that's a big win for us. Um, yeah. So, so, you know, some of the snow melted. So like, uh, we got a dusting of snow recently and, um, it was that like exact amount of snow that's like, do I have to shovel the walkway or do I not have to shovel the walkway? And so luckily the sun came out today and just did all of our jobs for us. So that, uh, yeah. For the lazy ones of us that
0: didn't shovel the walk, <laughs> there you go, there you go. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's, uh, I'm sure that's pretty nice. We don't obviously know a whole, whole bunch about shoveling snow down in Alabama. So, <laughs> uh, you know, we had talked earlier about, you know, you know, as soon as uh, we get any kind of inkling about ice on the roads, you know, we pretty much shut down. So. Uh, oh, you know, they, they they clear you know everybody clears the the WalMarts and the Winn Dixies and Polluxes of the uh, of the state of their bread and milk and eggs because <laughs> apparently that that's still a thing I, I I I've never understood why milk and bread milk sandwiches I I don't know why those are like the two things you need like. Yeah. I would I would stock it's not up on
1: like, like a French for- toast. It's uh, you know what I mean, milk, eggs, and bread. It's right? Just like, uh, yeah, French I mean toast. like <laughs> <laughs> you just gotta make French toast and,
0: and wait a time. <laughs> yeah, I mean like you know if it was me, I'm thinking you know like I don't know beefaroni. Like I'm like I need protein. I don't want freaking bread. <laughs> like like uh, you know because 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 canned uh, stuff's gonna last a lot longer. Um, yeah. Granted, I guess you know you can put your milk out in the snow and it stays cold you know, if your power goes out. So, but, uh, (laughs) well, cool. Well, uh, we'll, we'll, you know, obviously it's great to have you on. Um, you know, obviously you're a brand new author to me, but you're going to be a brand new author to a bunch of people, uh, considering, uh, this will be your debut, uh, coming out in January, but just kind of first off, if you want to tell me a little bit about yourself growing up, uh, school hobbies outside of, uh, of school, uh, growing up and then, Kind of tell me a little bit about how you got into writing
1: sure yeah so i'm uh, I'm from a little town in upstate New York called Pipe Plains New York and that's upstate by the New York City definition which is like literally anything north of the city um i've I've gotten into this I've had this problem before where I'll say like I'm from upstate New York and some people say like Cool. I'm from like Syracuse, and I will have to tell them that I'm like four hours south of them. Uh, <laughs> so, so I'm from a little little town um, in Dutchess County, New York, called Pine Plains. Um, <clears throat> I grew up uh, is you know we we I grew up in like an old shut down farm. Um, there was so it's like I had a lot of space to myself, a lot of uh, uh, a lot of space to think uh, and like kind of like make stuff up in my head. So uh, that's kind of where it started. Uh, when I was a kid, I always wanted to be a cartoonist. I always thought that was like the coolest thing, uh, like newspaper comics, basically. It was like what I wanted to do. I never actually got into, it's funny, I, ne- I didn't get into comic books so much. Uh, I mostly was into like comic strips because I liked the jokes. Um, I'd read a lot of like Kelvin and Hobbes, a lot of the Far Side, um, Garfield. I, you know, I, you know I'm going to name the two cool ones and name the one lamer one and <laughs> pretend that, you know, like I was into the two artsy ones. But no, it was also like, a, you know, like garfield and all of the other pretty much anything hagar the horrible anything that was on the comics page uh i was always super into and that's kind of like that was my dream growing up because like i also just love the idea of just like having something that you just like put out regularly like you're kind of you're at home you're just drawing pictures you send them in and then you know people see them around the country uh i uh I was never that great at drawing. I mean, I, I enjoyed doodling and stuff like that. And then I, I also helped I'm a lefty. I hold my pen a little strange. So like, that was also part of the problem. I'd like to like bruise my finger a little bit while I was writing. So, uh, or sorry, drawing. So like that was, it was just all in all, very untenable potential career for me. But it kind of got me into just coming up with ideas and like, you know, coming up with conflicts and stuff like that. And so that was kind of basically like my first, like foray into writing was through like comic strips and cartoons and trying to draw and write my own. Um, yeah. And then I went to, um, I went to college, uh, about an hour and a half from where I grew up at a college called Bennington college. Uh, it's a very small, like liberal arts college in Vermont. <clears throat> and then after that, uh, yeah, you want me to keep going?
0: Uh, <laughs> sure. Why <laughs> not?
1: Yeah. So I always, uh, when I was in college, I really wanted to like kind of like be a comedian. I thought that that would be a, a really, uh, that I thought it would be super fun. I always wanted to be like a sketch comedian or a stand up comedian. I never really tried to do stand up very much. But so I would always kind of like write comedy sketches and I do improv comedy. And so when I graduated, I moved to Chicago um, and tried to like study it <clears throat> like um, the IO theater, like it's like the improv, the old improv Olympic um, basically is, is what it is. And tried to kind of like study improv and like take classes and try and uh, get into that scene. But it was, September two thousand eight, and so I was there for a while, and I could never really like find a uh, good job. Uh, so it's like, or sorry, it was, it was like summer of two thousand eight, and then like you know, there was, like the big recession in September, and it was like really hard to find a job, and so I eventually moved back home, and worked more kind of on writing. At that point. And then, yeah, to eventually it all fell into place. I went to grad school, worked on some writing. I worked as a copywriter. I still work as a copywriter, but uh, now I'm a copywriter who wrote a novel too. So, <laughs> so it's great.
0: There
1: you go. Yeah.
0: Well, cool. Well, um, so you, uh, I assume at, at this current time, you don't write full time, obviously with this being your debut and so forth. What do you do outside of writing? So uh like for a job, you mean? Yeah. Or a, yeah.
1: yeah. So there's a so like I, when I was before I went to grad school, I worked for this uh this website called Woot.com. Uh it's like a deal-a-day website, kind of known for having like snarky, uh snarky, kind of weird product descriptions. Um I <clears throat> then uh, you know, so so I was in, you know, I went to grad school. I, I worked on a lot of short stories there. And then uh, you know, kind of like more recently, since we've ended up in Des Moines. I reached out to the people who used to, to run Woot and who now have their own site, which is like, it's called meh, uh, M-E-H. <laughs> um, that's a, a little joke. Uh, cause they, they stopped, it, you know, they left Woot and started meh. Um, and yeah, so, uh, so I've, I've been working for them and doing like their product descriptions and then kind of, they also, they have a whole other like family of sites basically. And I, I do some things for a few different, like, you know, I do, uh, descriptions for, you know, uh, deals that might be like on a morning show you know like or like things like that so I write a lot so like it's a nice job because it's like I get to write and I can also do it from home and I can kind of also like I have have deadlines and not hours so I can kind of set my own schedule so it really is like it's like it's a perfect it's a perfect job for a writer in a lot of ways because like it's um, you know I'm constantly writing sentences I'm constantly like thinking of the best ways to think, to say things, but I'm also not necessarily like, I'm not necessarily stuck in front of a computer all day, you know, I'd like, like sitting in front of my computer all day. Uh, and then, you know, having to also then like commute home from an office and then sit back down in front of a different computer. So, you know, it works out really well, but yeah, that's kind of, that's what I do for a day job.
0: I yeah, yeah best student your brain's not like completely fried from like the oh, eight yeah. hours spent in an office in a cubicle staring at a screen
1: <laughs> and then it's like yeah like getting to work getting home from work i feel like yeah i feel like working from home that's like one of those things that i've, I've like landed in this lucky position where i don't i don't have to leave the house um and yeah it's 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 a uh, it's 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 a
0: delight. (laughs) I I can imagine if, you know, you had a 45 minutes, an hour and a half commute back and forth to a job, you probably wouldn't write a whole lot of satire. You would probably write like a lot of like anger, like, (laughs) like like, written books or like, you know, horror or like there's like a lot of blood in this book, you know, kind of thing. Because I I feel like it's it's almost like a release. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Cause, you know you're, you know you're gonna talk about the person that you know cuts you off you know you know right before your exit or something yeah so yeah um well oh, cool well uh so tell me so you said you you grew up wanting to direct comic strips um was that I guess were the writers of those strips were they kind of like a big influence on you or did you have some writers that the comic strips got you into reading more satirical stuff when you grew up that got you into writing or kind of who was who got you started your writing or who influenced you to, to begin your writing career?
1: So at least not, um, <clears throat> so like I, you know, part of it is like, like, so my, my like the far side and um, Calvin and Hobbes were definitely my two uh, favorite uh, comic strips. And I feel like that's definitely influenced like what I want to, um, what, what I like kind of like, ha- like why I was interested in writing. Cause they were always, you know, so strange and like so funny uh, so creative. I feel like that's uh, you know, it's like, it's a, it's a very like, you know, there's like, you got your Dilberts that are in the office, you got your Garfields, you know, deal Mondays and various other things. And then I feel like, you know, meanwhile, like Calvin and Hobbes, you know, we're dealing with this like bizarre kind of like is, you know, is the tiger imagined or not? Like is, uh, <clears throat> is Calvin going to ever stop growing? And then the far side is just, you know, totally, totally just nuts, weird comic strips that you know single panel comic strips that almost like sometimes you know don't even make any sense uh so that definitely kind of like got me into just like that sort of like strange sense of humor that sort of kind of strange world building honestly um and this I forgot to mention this last time we were talking uh it's like I I would also credit uh there's a Nickelodeon show growing up when I was a kid uh called Pete and Pete and I think about it constantly now kind of, cause I'm like, this is all, like that's all I'm ever writing is like, I'm writing stuff that would be a plot in a Pete and Pete episode. Uh, you know, I think about that a lot and that it's just so strange and like, you know, so over the top and weird. And I think about that constantly about like, I'm like, I should go back and watch that. Cause I feel like it, this is like, this is who I, I am, who I am because I watched that TV show. And <laughs> uh, but yeah, then kind of beyond that, like, you know, you know, that was when I was a kid. I think beyond that, I started, you know, I read some like some kind of, you know, like middle grade stuff when I was obviously in the middle grades. Uh, I read this book. I read a, an author named Daniel Pinkwater, who is another uh, extremely weird kind of like fun children's writer, uh, really loved him. And that was, he was like super impactful, but then really the stuff that like pushed me into kind of what I was, what I, uh, what I eventually wrote was this, this writer uh, <clears throat> I read in I shouldn't say this writer. He's like one of the most famous short story writers in college. I read uh, the George Saunders for the first time. And I was, and I, uh, it, it was just one of those things where I was like, oh, wow. You know, <clears throat> like I can, I'm allowed to do this with writing. Like, it's like you read something and you're like, I didn't know this was allowed. I didn't know this would be taken seriously. <laughs> and, and <laughs> you know, and so like, I'd read a lot of like, we had, i taken a class where we talked about unreliable narrators and I'd read a lot of like David Sedaris's short stories. And I always really loved them, but always, it always felt something like where I was like, wow, this is funny. He really pulls this off. This isn't necessarily like what I'm interested Like, you know, this isn't, this isn't like, I can, I can enjoy this and it's funny, but it's not like the sense of humor that I have. And so like reading George Saunders and Kelly Link and a few other writers where I could just sort of be like, oh, wow, this is uh this is weird and it's funny and you know <clears throat> it's doing things that I didn't. I basically yeah, like it's like my favorite George Saunders story is called Sea Oak, and uh, in it, um, <laughs> uh, in it, it's basically he works at this this guy, the narrator, who I don't think is ever named. I forget if he's named um he might i might have a name i haven't read it in a couple of years now uh, but i, I it a lot but uh, he works at a, a he works at a, a bar and grill called joysticks which is kind of this like erotic stripper uh flight related like flight themed bar and so he's constantly kind of like going in and like you know like kind of he's like embarrassing himself and then back at home he's got his two sisters and their kids and then his aunt <laughs> And his aunt dies and comes back as a zombie. And it's this, this wild, like, it was just this bonker story. And the story just never, you know, it just never stopped to ever question anything. It, you know, it just, it just starts. it's like 20 pages long and all of this stuff happens and it just starts and it goes. And like, no one in the story was ever like, you know, I mean, like when the aunt comes back as a zombie, they're shocked, but they're never like wait, this can't be happening. This isn't real. You know, it's just like everyone just goes with everything with how crazy everything is. And I really saw something in that writing where I was like, Oh yeah, like this is what I want to do. I want to create worlds where like from the outside you're thinking this is nuts. And from, but the people inside them are like, are just kind of like going through their days.
0: Yeah. It's just like the norm.
1: Yeah. That's like, that's what they're used to.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And, um, and, and, and first off if you guys listening are wondering why we have said the last time that we talked we actually recorded almost an entire episode and uh it cropped down on us so we're, <laughs> we're, we're redoing this so um but like i had said last time you know when i first started reading uh your your debut um i i honestly got uh the books of babel vibes uh it's by josiah Bancroft he's written Three books so far in the series It's uh, out by Orbit Publishing But he writes uh, in a kind of Very similar style but it's also one of those Where everything that's happening Granted it's new To the main Protagonist It feels kind of normal But we're sitting there looking at it Like there's one scene where uh, His name's Thomas Sendlin He goes up to this uh, contraption called A beer me go (laughs) round And like you're going, what? But then you start getting the description of it. And you're like, why don't we have that kind of thing? <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, yeah. and there's like a few things in the in the heap. Like you know, you get these interlude chapters where you know the people inside of this gargant you know gargantuan building are talking about the inner workings of it, and you're kind of like. Now I can kind of see why that would be good, but at the same time, these people are insane. That would never work. And yet, you know, they're like, "Oh, this has to be the way." You know kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. Like, it, you know, it, it's almost uh oh gosh, I can't remember the character's name and the Mandalorian, but you know, the I have spoken, you know, it kind of reminds me of, of like that, like this this is what it's going to be. I have spoken. Now go do it. Um <laughs> and uh but yeah, you know, and, and and I haven't read a whole lot of satire. I mean, I've, you know, of course, read, um, you know, a little bit of Douglas Adams. And uh, I just read my first book by Tom Holt, uh, who, who I heard recently was K.J. Parker, the fantasy writer. I don't know if that's true or not, but I, I saw that recently. Um, and then uh, I've read a little bit of Christopher Moore. Um, but, you know, like I said, uh, Books of Babel was probably like my big introduction, I guess, into satire. And then reading The Heap is like it's almost like candy. Like I can't get enough of it. Cause 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 like every, like every page there's at least like one thing that if you're not really paying close attention to, like you'll miss, but like, there's like, there's just subtle humor just like sitting there if you're willing to, to devote the time to it. So, um, but, um, so, so, Let's go ahead and, I guess, talk a little bit about the book. So, uh, okay. so The Heap comes out in January uh, from, from William Morrow, which is, uh, you know, part of HarperCollins. Collins. Um, it is, you know, your your big old debut, uh, which I'm sure you're super <laughs> excited about. Oh, very um, much, yeah. So, so I've, I've read about, I'm about a third of the way through. Um, obviously, uh, my sickness is... Pretty much taking me down for the count for the better part of fun, a week. Yeah. Uh, you know, strep is never fun, but what <laughs> I what I have read has been great so far. But tell tell the audience a little bit about uh, about, about the book. Uh, what you know, what they can kind of expect when they crack over the pages, and then we'll kind of go yeah. from there.
1: For sure, yeah. So like uh, the heat. Um basically. So it's it centers around this enormous building. So uh, just like a plot summary. You're thinking, yeah, sure, that's fine. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So it kind of like everything kind of center, centers around this enormous building. It's called uh, Los Verticales. And basically what Los Verticales is is it's like a, a city that was inside a giant skyscraper in the middle of the desert. So it's this kind of fully internal city. Everyone gets around the elevators. You know, everyone lives there. They work there. <laughs> there's restaurants. There's everything. And and so uh, but when the, but at the time that the novel opens, the, uh, the all of Los has collapsed, and the giant pile of rubble left behind is called the Heap. Uh, and there's only one known survivor of the collapse, and it's uh, Bernard Anders, who is a radio DJ. And the only way they know he's survived is that they haven't found him yet. But uh, he, since he's the radio DJ, uh, somehow he and his uh, equipment have survived, and so he's kind of broadcasting from some dark hole inside the Heap. The actual kind of protagonist of the story is Orville. Uh, well, Orville and Lydia are kind of like the co-protagonists of the story. But Orville is um, is a dig hand on the heap. And basically he uh, he's helping kind of like move the rubble and uh, helping. He's basically digging for his brother. But like as part of this relief effort where they kind of move the rubble and like rubble and like try and reclaim it, try and find uses for it or send it to places where they're like, you know, turn it into art or, or what have you. Um, and then Lydia is his, uh, his partner on the dig. Um, they're in the same dig group and she's kind of, She's kind of like she has like some political aspirations. She's uh, she's trying to kind of uh, climb the ranks of the Campertown uh, political uh, like our Campertown you know uh, political structure basically. And Campertown's where all of the dig hands live. It's this community of where they all get a camper and a uh, a rehab bike in order to do the work they do. So yeah, and then things kind of start to go a little weird because uh, Orville uh, talks to his brother every day on the phone, and. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, the the radio station starts to take notice and and would like Orville to read some, uh, some like kind of ads for uh, them basically to slip some ads into their, into their conversation to, you know, make the station a little money and Orville refuses. And then things go pretty crazy from there Uh, (laughs) is what I'll say
0: (laughs) for the summary. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, you know, and just from the beginning, you know, I I know, Uh, You know, we talked about again in the last time we were recording that, uh, you know, a lot of times stories kind of like this are kind of taken out of like our reality. But and I feel like this one kind of is in a sense because I feel like it's so set apart from everything else, Uh, like (laughs) like the heap itself, Uh, because, you know, you got the heap, you got Camper Town and then like you don't at least so far, you don't know really what else is out there. Um, yeah. granted, you know, that, um, they've got listeners in other countries, um, because it does, you know, obviously take place in a alternate America. Um, yeah. but, um, you know, uh, your main focus obviously is the heat. And I knew, I knew I was in for something special when I got to, I think it was, uh, in the second chapter when they, uh, landed in a condo found a dead body and then decided to drink their beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. No, they're, uh, they're pretty used to uncovering dead bodies when they're working on the heap, just because uh, it's a pretty, yeah, <laughs> it a pretty rough, rough go in the collapse.
0: Yeah. Cause like, I kind of, I kind of went into to reading the book without like really remembering the synopsis. And I started reading it. And I'm like, man, these people just don't give a rip. And then I, I went back and read the synopsis. and I was like, they've been doing this for like, like no wonder (laughs) like they're just like oh got another dead one you know and like all they did was like just like tote him outside and let him like dry out in the sun (laughs) just like what (laughs) am i reading uh but man it's it's great so far i'm 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 really enjoying it but um but yeah and and i kind of you know was doing a little research uh and i saw that you had already gotten some like pretty great uh, like reviews back i mean you've got one from publishers weekly from carcass reviews book list library journal and then i saw that you got a blurb from uh from sean hamill who wrote a cosmology of monsters which i uh, have you read it yes I've. okay so so it's one like i've been recently seeing a lot of like on instagram um because like i'm part of that like bookstagram world now so oh, yeah, yeah, everybody posts pictures of every book they get so um but like i've heard nothing but great things about it um and but i, I i'd seen that so i figured you know it would you know he probably has a pretty big audience that would come in and and, and take a peek at it too so
1: that's what i'm hoping yeah to, i love the cosmology of my or sorry not the cosmology of, it's a cosmology of monsters <laughs> <laughs> i love the cosmology of monsters it's like just read it a, a few months ago um it's a it's another one of those great books where you're like is this, you know, it's like, you're like, is this a book about monsters or is it a book about like a family, you know? And it's, the answer (laughs) is (laughs) both. But it's a really delightful read, like really a quick read, a fun read, but also like um, definitely like, it's one of those books that like just hits that perfect kind of like midpoint between uh, like fun and substance I would say if if you're looking if anyone if anyone out there is looking for a good book to read.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna get Go ahead and give Sean a plug. We'll go ahead yeah, and let him know sure. that uh, yeah. you can pause the podcast. So yeah. Um so so tell me what gave you the idea of Los Burke Like it, it see, I don't I can't say that I've seen it done before. I mean obviously you've seen cities built, you've seen cities underground, you've seen cities up in the sky underwater etc but i don't know if you've ever seen like a city in a giant skyscraper and then not even really see it before you begin the first chapter and it's already in ruins (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: so i mean some of it was
1: that i've always had this like funny idea um or the the like a lot of my writing uh you know it's like you know it's not necessarily like based on a lot of research or based on a lot of you know like uh, I, I shouldn't say it's not based on a lot of thought, because obviously a lot of thought goes into it. But, you know, like a lot of the initial idea is, uh, well, often kind of like it'll occur to me like as a joke. And then I'll think, like, is this just a joke or do I have something here? Like, where's the conflict I can build into it? And so the kind of the initial idea for the novel started as this idea of, you know, like a, uh, a radio DJ who's stuck underground uh, broadcasting, uh, you know, and it, it, he's broadcasting, and people are taking for him. I always just thought that was like a, such a fun idea, and I feel like I've, I had about like kind of like five or six, like probably like probably more uh, like false starts of trying to write that story, and like kind of like even like maybe even going back to like my undergrad college days. I, I think like this is just like been in my head, and then it took some time to kind of try and find the right like lens to to cast it through, um, and like how to build out the story. Uh, <clears throat> I would say. I mean, just, like, the idea of Los Verticales is, like, one of those things that's... I feel like I'm always drawn to that sort of stuff where it's, like, you're, like... You, like, like in my head, it's both, like, a fantasy and a a, a terror, you know? <laughs> like, we're, like, living in, like, everyone living and working in this enormous building uh, that is, you know, like, that is a standalone city. is both, like, there's both something fun, this, like, idea of community, you know, that you're, like, oh, like, we're all here, we're all in this together, and then also just something, like, where you're, like, Everyone would know everyone's secrets, like in a whole city, like you know. And it's just like, just that idea of you know, it's like kind of like being kind of like confined in that way. It, it's both like this exciting kind of like it, like it makes me feel like warm inside at the same time as it makes me feel
0: terrified and like, <laughs> like, you know, queasy, right? Right, yeah, uh, I completely I, understand. Yeah, and the, the whole like innards versus the outards, uh, <laughs> people within the building, uh, I mean. But yeah, you know, it's, and it's one of those, uh, books that, you know, like every conversation between the main characters or, you know, them and the oppression or be the antagonist, if you want to call them that, uh, you know, there's always like, at least like a tidbit in there that you just like, you have to at least smile at. Um, I mean, I was, I was, uh, I was reading the bit about him talking to, uh, the telecommunications guy that was coming down to, um, <laughs> yeah. to to start the downturn of the book. I'm not gonna give it away, but uh, and just like their back and forth was, it was like so ridiculous, but it was so normal to them. But like you also saw Orville at the same time, like kind of like scratching his head, like is this guy like really not understanding where I'm coming from? Um, and you know, I, I get it. Kind of gives. It kind of reminded me of like talking to a telemarketer, I guess, like, you know, it's one of those like where you don't want to hang up, like you want to see like if you can get them to hang up kind of thing. Um, And I felt like that's where that conversation went.
1: (laughs) Oh, for sure. Yeah. That was one of my favorite. Yeah. Again, not to give too much away, but that character, Charlie, um, was probably one of my favorite ones to write just because he just talks in such a weird way. Like it's fun to, it's fun. And especially because this book is like, you know, again, not to give too much away, but there's a large a large kind of theme in it theme of it is like kind of voices and uh you know like how people speak to each other and so it's like really fun to kind of like just create a character who you know every now and then you got to do these things in writing I feel like to just do something where you're like this is gonna this is like mostly to like like this is partially just to keep me entertained and partially to like make the book entertaining is just like create a character who just talks like a a, a lunatic uh (laughs) (laughs) just, just like just have fun with that yeah
0: Right, right. So, uh, so we talked a little bit about the heap. Uh, like I said, it comes out January seventh uh, of yes. next year, and um, definitely, you know, I know a lot of people are going to be looking forward to that one. I know Harper's uh, excited about it. That's why they reached out to me to to have you on the podcast. But um, okay. so, tell me. So, obviously, you know, we talked about your writing short stories and so forth. Kind of what's what's next for you? Do you do you still Plan on writing a bunch of short stories, then maybe another novel will come down, come on down down the road, or do you want to write like a like a collection of short stories or or like novels like now your thing?
1: <clears throat>
0: Excuse me, sorry, a little get? cough there. Sorry, about yeah. <laughs> that. Um, no, uh, uh,
1: you know, honestly, like I've kind of like it was interesting because I, I was always so intimidated uh by kind of like longer stuff before I before I wrote this, I, I tried to write one novel before when I was in like, you know, uh, before grad school even. And I tried to kind of like write something longer while I was in grad school. And I was always so, it was always just like so daunting, this idea because short stories like take, you know, like, I mean, they, you know, you can work on them for a long time, but you're even just like having the, the convenience of being, of saying, I want to read this through um, and sitting down, you know, it's like, I want to read this through and see how it sounds all the way through. You can do that. And, you know, even with a long short story, you can do that in an hour, you know? And so, so kind of like the, the the novel was always daunting because I'd always felt like, I was like, oh man, this is going to take forever to finish, you know? Like what, what are you going to do? Like, how do you not go crazy in the middle of writing this like enormous thing? And uh, uh, I feel like though, what I found is that it's actually kind of fun to go crazy in the middle of writing uh, this enormous thing. And I feel like it's, it's this like weird, there's something almost like weirdly comforting, that I've found in sitting down and knowing, you know, like I don't need to come up with something brand new. I don't need to, or not that I don't need to come up with something brand new. Obviously new stuff happens in the book all the time and like novels uh, should be surprising, but, but you're never starting from that blank slate of, you know, like who are my, you know, like, who are they going to be the characters in this? Who are going, like what are they going to say? What's going to be the conflict? You're always going kind to of, like working on the central conflict of the novel even if it's indirectly um and kind of so i found it like really comforting to actually work on longer stuff even though i was so again like i said i was just like coming into it i thought it was just going to take forever but it doesn't you know writing a 200 you know to 200 to 300 page novel doesn't take as long or at least not for me it didn't take as long as writing a uh, like 200 to 300 pages of short stories just because like you're not stopping and starting and, and though like the sort of the stories i want to tell are definitely like Fairly like not straightforward in the content, but straightforward in the conflict. If that makes sense, that yeah. there, you know, there's like there's something wrong that needs to be solved. It's not necessarily, you know, it's like like a, like you know the 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 novel I mentioned before, Cosmology of Monsters. Like that's gonna something like that is going to take a lot longer because it's you know he's building out of basically like a family saga through many generations, whereas I'm you know my novels take place over or my novel takes place over the course of you know. A uh, year ish <laughs> if that is so yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh gosh. So uh, so just kind of based on that, do you do you have something in the works now like you you want to like, yeah,
1: so I'm I'm trying to, you know, I think I do want to keep working on novels. And I do, you know, to, to, to answer what you just asked, I do have a novel in the works right now. It's a bit short and it's like kind of um it's a pretty quick kind of like uh Pretty, pretty, like a, it's going to be a bit shorter than the heap uh, if it all comes together, um, and weird like the heap as well if it all comes together. But yeah, so so I'm kind of I've got a little thing in the works. It's basically uh, I don't want to say too much because it's you know it's like it's like I haven't really shown it to anyone but my wife. <laughs> um, so uh, it's uh, but it kind of like plays on tropes from you know medical dramas and like television shows and stuff like that. But then kind of it starts as a it starts almost as a joke about uh, like a lot of TV tropes and then kind of moves on from there uh, into something much weirder and much darker, I would say. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, it's a, a, unfortunately I'll have to kind of tease it a little bit because I don't want to, I don't want to give too much away. Uh, and then also I don't want to give too much away if then, you know, five years later, people are going to be asking me where that book is. And, uh, <laughs> that uh, so yeah, so we'll see.
0: Yeah, what you know when the heat skyrockets off shelves and everybody listens to the podcast and goes, "You remember that book you talked about on that podcast that one time?" <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, and then I'll have to, you know,
0: <laughs> then you yeah. actually have to like go back, find it under the cobwebs, and be like, "I've got to finish this," you know. <laughs> yeah. <exactly>. yeah. <laughs> oh man, you know we had, we had talked about uh, the last time we recorded. Um, <laughs> we were talking about you know starting books, and I was you know about how I always. You know, I I write a couple of sentences and if they're not perfect, like I'm like, no, I'm just going to go ahead and trash this and go on. But, you know, we were talking about how dialogue is like the hardest thing to write. Um, You know, saying like, you know, we were talking about how it just kind of becomes this like word explosion uh, and how you just have a bunch of words on the page. You have to kind of like find like go through with like a fine tooth comb and like pick out the ones you wanted to use. You had, uh, I think, we had mentioned something about uh, we, were, we were trying to figure out how you could write a short story, like almost like a transcription from like a like a uh, not really a TV show or an interview, but just like a transcribed conversation. But so I, yeah. think, I think we had talked about how it would be impossible unless you had somebody to bounce the ideas off of. Because you no, exactly, yeah, it's
1: it's that thing like where it's just all the little vocal ticks uh you know that a person has actually transcribed and and it's just on the page so you know it's like it's one of those things like you'll often like you know like you'll see this transcription where things will get a little weird and it's like and if you watch the interview if you watch like the video it's like they're reacting to something that's happening in the room or or whatever you know and and it's just like it's really hard to kind of get that down in a natural way. Cause, cause naturally it actually like looks much worse than like, cause that's what we were talking about before. It's like, you know, kind of dialogue, um, dialogue, like in books is often like just so much more efficient than, you know, an actual conversation in life <laughs> because yeah. you, know, you don't want to, you don't want to have like, you know, people are making a, a you know, plans for the weekend like that, you know, actually transcribed might take like 35 pages and like no one wants to read that. <laughs> but, you know, but, you know, those 35 pages take about five minutes to say aloud or whatever, you know, it's that like funny thing that kind of happens.
0: Yeah. 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 Cause, you know, uh, yeah, you're right. Cause I mean, if, if you look, you know, watch an interview or something and, and you don't, cause I think you had mentioned you were reading like a transcription from an interview. And you said you couldn't exactly, even get yeah. through like the first few sentences because it was somebody reacting to something that like happened on set or something. Exactly. Like, you know, it, was,
1: it was just like, no, no, uh, hold on. No, wait, are we, are we, are we going? And it's just like, you know, it's like that sort of stuff But you're just like, oh, this is actually like really boring. To me.
0: <laughs> yeah. It, it, it <laughs> almost just, like, because like yeah. when you mentioned that, it kind of reminded me of, have you seen the, uh, the Netflix movie uh, between two firms? Oh, I haven't seen the Netflix movie. I'm familiar with the, the,
1: um, this, the, the With the, the funnier gets. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, because yeah. yeah. yeah, like a uh, I don't know if it's like at the very beginning or if it's like pretty early on where uh, he's interviewing Matthew McConaughey and there's like this like leak in the studio and like <laughs> I can like see the 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 transcribed portion of the interview because like they keep looking like McConaughey like he's looking at the leak and they're like no it's fine and he keeps looking at it and they're like I think you need to get that checked out like I can see <laughs> that like being transcribed <laughs> and then just go and read it and like what in the world's going on? i like, I don't know why you wait context. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know why somebody would want to read an interview, but at the same time, I'm like, I wonder if somebody could do it to where it actually be interesting. It's interesting. It's like,
1: I mean, it's like part of the funny thing. It's like that. I feel like if it was done well, it would, it, it would seem realistic. And then you wouldn't realize it was completely unrealistic. You know, like if you were like, if it was like, like, it's one of those things where you'd read it and you'd be like, oh man, this reads just like someone actually talking. And then, but then in reality, it doesn't at all. It's right. just kind of like, <laughs> taking like, it's just filling in like enough of those ticks, like enough of those weird little things to kind of like give you that familiar feeling. But it's actually like really, you know, really kind of like tight, concise prose, yeah. uh, you know, it's like, it's like how it would actually work. And like, it's like one of those, and it's like one of the fun things, honestly, like it is one of the fun things about writing is like kind of being like, yeah, like you are, you're almost like, like you're trying to trick people into feeling natural, doing something kind of unnatural or reading something, you know, you, you're trying to like, cause you know, you, you write dialogue in this way that's supposed to mimic like uh, real dialogue or real conversations, but it's just like. But it's also like far more efficient and like you're trying to kind of like toe that line between, you know, like, like, uh, uh, yeah, efficiency and, you know, natural just like natural talking basically. And it's, it's like really kind of like a fun thing to find that thing so, like, so that no one notices. So it's like really like what you're trying to do as a writer is like write stuff so that when people are reading it, they're like not they – like, you know, when they finish reading it and they say, oh, yeah, I just read a book. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> you're like, oh, gosh, I feel like I just read a 10-hour conversation. I, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> Yeah, because like I, I cause you have to find the perfect balance. Because I mean, and I don't, I don't know if you could like necessarily write like a too perfect conversation in a book, because you want to make it efficient to where people not not the, that they like skim through it, but that they're not like getting caught up on you know what you and I could consider like the likes and us that we would have in our conversation during this podcast. Okay. Um, so you basically can write it out like that and maybe keep a couple of them because you want people to seem normal. Granted you're (laughs) writing satirical fiction, so they're not normal, at least to us, they're normal to themselves. Uh, But at the same time, you know, you give the reader an ability to connect with the characters themselves. So you don't, you want them to be able to see flaws at the same time as, Oh, they can actually have a conversation and it'd be done in a few sentences and they're not rambling right yeah. on about <laughs> nothing.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It doesn't like ramble on and on, but it's like, but it also feels natural.
0: Right. Right. Well, cool. Well, uh, so you mentioned uh, that you read a cosmology or sorry, the cosmology of monsters. No, it's a cosmology. No, I, I, it. I, I stuttered before. <laughs> I'm just mad. I'm just mad. <laughs> um, so besides that, have you read, uh, have you read anything else pretty recently that, uh, that you enjoyed?
1: So I read this. Uh, I read this novel called *The Unpassing* by Chia Chia Lin, um, and that was like really fantastic. It's a it's a more straightforward kind of like realist uh, literary novel. Um, I really love that one. Uh, basically, it's a uh, it's a Taiwanese uh, family, uh, and they've kind of uh, they immigrated to the United States and ended up in Alaska. So it's it's this like really like kind of like stark, bleak, like but like just so beautifully written, uh, novel that's, that I just absolutely loved. It's sort of like, it's one of those things where it's like, it's kind of like rough because like, you know, it's like, it's like the things that they're dealing with are just like completely tragic. And yet, like when I finished it, I was like, ah, oh, like I'm going to, I'm going to miss these people. <laughs> you know, like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to miss spending time and like, or like, you know, like, oh, I wonder what happened to this character, uh, you know, like later on in life. And then I have to be like, it's not, it's not a real person, you know? Um, <laughs> Uh, another book, uh, probably one of my favorite books of the year is a book called The Municipalists by uh, by Seth Freed. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's a really, like, wild sort of, uh, uh, kind of, like, it's basically, like, sort of a sci-fi noir book. Um, it's really fun. It's, like, super funny. Like, I feel like there's a lot of, like, there are a lot of, like, funny books, and then they are just, like, funny, funny, funny books, you know, where <laughs> it's just, like, these, like, lines that are so funny and just, like, like that make you actually, like, they make you actually like laugh out loud when you're sitting alone and reading it, which is, I feel like it's like one of those things that like, you know, like to just like let your guard down that much. Um, right. So that, that was great. It's about, um, it's about an artificial intelligence and uh, it's like a, he's sort of like, he works for this, like, this thing called the municipal survey uh, and it's him and his, his like him and an artificial intelligence are trying to solve this crime but the artificial intelligence is like an alcoholic uh, he's like this totally like it's like he's it's like it's this funny like reverse of the you know kind of like traditional tropes of like he's this like <clears throat> incredibly buttoned up like really like by the books guy and then the, the artificial intelligence is like totally off the rails and really bonkers. Um, so I really love that one. Those are probably, that was probably one of my favorite books of the year. Like that and the unpassing work too, that I, that I absolutely couldn't just like, like kind of like, it's not that I couldn't put them down. It was almost like when I put them down, I missed them, you know? <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's like you, you put it down on your, you know, bedside table and walked out and you kind of did what it is like where you stepped back and kind of looked at it. <laughs> yeah.
1: And it's almost that thing where it's like, you're like, ah, oh, I really want to finish this. Cause I am like having such a good time reading, but you're also like, you find yourself like kind of like slowing down a little bit because you're like, I don't really want to like, you know, it's like, this is like just like a fun, it's like a fun world to live in. Yeah. Uh, for a while, you know, or this is just like sort of this intriguing thing. It's just like sort of like, yeah, there's a warmth there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, sure. it's something,
0: something that needs to be savored. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I know that all too well, though. uh <laughs> I, I can tell you one thing. I, I definitely, I definitely don't use my time wisely to savor novels anymore, man. I, I try to blow through them as many as I can just because, <laughs> Like dude, like requests, they just like pile up for this oh, blog. For sure. and, and so like I, I actually just uh just brought on two new bloggers on my blog. So I think I've got probably oh, no. got six now total. And right. uh I had I had two two years ago. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh I mean it's 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 given me the opportunity to kind of keep that branch out into other genres, but you know, I still have to come back to my to my mainstays, but yeah, man, try, trying to, trying to savor novels, uh, at least if you're trying to be a, a kind of a completionist, this, is impossible. Uh, <laughs> yeah. but you know, we, you know, we had touched on earlier about, you know, if you could, you, you would be a full-time writer and you could use, you know, your 40 hours a week reading and then the other writing. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I could totally take that on, but yeah, it would just literally be to be like, all right, where are all these series that I need to complete that I haven't done yet? <laughs> and, uh, cause man, I, you know, and I was telling you again about the book community being a big thing, but gosh, I man, if you tell them there's like a series that's like hugely popular and you haven't read it, I would probably keep it to yourself. <laughs> uh I got kinda I got kind of uh like bullied into reading the first law trilogy by Joe Abercrombie. It's like a huge fantasy uh series. Like, yeah. It's it's fantastic, don't get me wrong. But like it's what one of those that like you can't say you read fantasy if you haven't read this kind of thing. So,
1: totally,
0: yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, it's like one of those things where, we're like, all right, well, now I know I'm going to enjoy it, but it's going to be a very short lived thing because I have all these other books I have to get to. <laughs> um, but yeah, so well, cool, man. Well, uh, well, again, I, I appreciate you being here. I know it was uh, <laughs> it was a little longer than we originally it's it's scheduled for, totally. but uh, but it's been a, a fantastic chat. It's been great getting to know you. Uh, the heat so far has, has been great. And, and I hope, uh, you know, some more in our audience, uh, decide to give it a go. Like I said, guys, he comes out January 7th of 2020. Um, it's, uh, it's not a huge, not a huge book. So it's not a big undertaking, but, um, you know, you're definitely, <laughs> exactly, yeah.
1: no, you can read it pretty fast. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And
0: I mean, yeah. it's got really short chapters. Um, and I mean, I think the humor enough is it, going to be a, a big thing for a lot of people that, that'll read it. And, uh, you know, like I said, it's got some great characters in it, and it's definitely super original. It's it's unlike anything I've read before. Um, but but Sean, you know, I look forward to, to other things that you got going on. And uh, again, I, I just appreciate you coming on, taking the time out of your day to to chat with me on the podcast. And uh, we're looking forward to uh, to what comes next.
1: Oh, of course, thank you. Thank you so much for having me, David. Yeah. I really appreciate you know getting a chance to chat a bit.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh and, and good luck with the uh, with the release in January. Thank you so much. Hi, right, man. Have a good one. Too. Right. Hope you guys enjoyed my chat with author Sean Adams about his debut, The Heap, coming out on January seventh. Stay tuned on Friday of this week when I chat with Andy Davidson, author of In the Valley of the Sun and his upcoming novel coming out in February called The Boatman's Daughter. I actually had a chance to meet Andy at the Noir at the Bar event uh, in Hoover back in november it was a fantastic time it's a fantastic book i've already started reading it uh so i hope you guys tune in for that also on december 27th i'll be talking to gareth Ryder hanrahan about his book the gutter prayer and its sequel coming out in january called the shadow saint also uh coming in january i'll be talking to evan winter about his debut the rage of dragons and the upcoming sequel I'll also be talking to The Chalkman, The Hiding Place, and the new The Other People author, CJ Tudor, on January 10th. Uh, so hope you guys will continue coming in and enjoying these episodes and look forward to giving you guys some fantastic stuff.